This is Serious FM. So without further ado, I'd like to call Malana Abdullah to introduce this program also and to elaborate as far as this, this LGBTQ program is concerned. Alhamdulillah, alladhi katab al-athar wa nasaf al-ajal wal qulub indahu mufdiyah wa sirru indahu alaniyah الحلال ما أحل والحرام ما حرم والدين ما شرع والدين ما شرع والدين ما شرع والأمر ما قضى وهو الله الرؤوف الرحيم ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا وشفيعنا وسندنا ومولانا محمد عبده ورسوله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أي يكون لهم الخيرة وقال الله تعالى ولله ملك السماوات والأرض يهب لمن يشاء إناثا يخلق ما يشاء يهب لمن يشاء إناثا ويهب لمن يشاء الذكور أو يزوجهم ذكرانا وإناثا ويجعل من يشاء عقيما وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بادروا بالأعمال فتنا تقطع الليل المظلم يصبح الرجل مؤمنا ويمسي كافرا وَيُمْسِي مُؤْمِنًا وَيُصْبِحُ كَافِرًا يَبِيعُ دِينَهُ بِعَرَضٍ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم السحاق بين النساء زنا بينهن معجم الزوائد وحسنه الطبراني أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم we praise Allah wa ta'ala as he ought to be praised through salawat and madur but that is the my respected brothers I will try to terminate and complete this prayer in one hour 15 minutes uh, but just to give you a, how we got involved the office implemented at the time by the department of basic education as reluctant as I was, and I remained reluctant for a while, I was even part, and Marana Muhammad is aware of the fact we were even part of a committee that was established at a time under the wing of... We were not active in experience. And I don't know from where they got to know that while I was teaching at this institute, I was also teaching life orientation grade 8, grade 11. So they said that you taught the experience, why don't you... And for that, but nevertheless, one we met very short, very very adamant, very arrogant, very rude, and the DG of the department just did not want to hear anything. That meeting, we came out of that meeting and we, we sat, so to say, on our laurels. Uh, called up in the office and as far as we nothing. So, and at that time, the request from the office was that concentrate on LGBTQ because of the issue that it seems to be posing. So we started the research, and obviously in today's zamana, it started on Google. A Google sent the sites on Google, and I'm talking Muslim sites, that speaks about Islam. Na'udhu billah, 
approving the that is when I open it such and I made it such that the resources that I found were human resources. And in the research that we have done, we have had many meetings today with very possible work. And today this presents a lot of the help and assistance that I have drawn from these people who are well many years into this in, into this field. So nevertheless, I want to start off on a very light note. Uh, you see, there was a person who wasn't feeling too well. So this, this person went to visit a doctor. So the doctor did an examination and felt that there were certain tests that need to be conducted. So the tests were conducted. Uh, the person was sent home. When the results of those tests came to the doctor, the doctor then called that person and said, you need to come in, we need to discuss your results. So that person came in, sat in front of the doctor, and the doctor said, so sir. So this person retaliated and said, uh, no doctor, it's madam. No doctor, it's madam. So the doctor then said, okay madam, your results show that you have prostate cancer. So for those of us that know, it's not possible for a woman to get prostate cancer. So that is on a very light note. But in reality, my respected brothers, that is the sad situation. At the very beginning, I want to say, and I want to ask forgiveness, especially from our brothers that are sitting here with white beards and our elders, as well as our mothers that are sitting downstairs and our sisters, there are certain things that I'm going to say. Unfortunately, I have to say it in a way in order to give the message the way it needs to be given. I may come across emotional, I may come across rude, but really it is not the case. But I have to say it. And I request your du'as that inshallah can put. I've done many of these problems. And the office told me that Malana, after every third program, you need to go and sit with Mufti Minti and do a debriefing. Because this is having an effect on your life. And really it is the case. And I'm not boasting and I'm not saying it out of pride. But when we did during the day, that's how serious the issue is. So nevertheless, as you can see in front of you on the screen, uh, this is done under the auspices of the Jamiyatul Ulama, understanding LGBTQIA+, and obviously the plus is because they are making this an alphabet narrative. There's SS2S in there, there's a P in there as well. We'll talk about some of them a little later. Termed as SSA. Now this is the first time I'm going to be saying it, because just this week while I was doing some research, I came across this and one of our ulama from the subcontinent uh, was saying, was a very well English spoken alim, and he was saying that we need to move away from using the term LGBTQ as part of the solution. And rather we use the term SSA, which is a common term which refers to same-sex attraction. So rather use the term SSA and do away from using the term LGBTQ, and I will tell you why a little bit later. So we have praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sent Yurud, Yurud, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
again, this is to understand the concept. Towards the end, we will speak of a little bit of some solutions. So Islam is a complete and comprehensive way of life. Allah Taala had made it such there is nothing in the life of a human being, nothing in the life of a Muslim, that Sharia or Islam has not guided this Muslim how to conduct himself in that. To the aspect, to the extent that every aspect related to human life is found in Islam. And we commonly give the example that how complete and how perfect is this deen that Islam guided and united with regards to males, not females, with regards to males, the manner in which you make istinja in summer and the manner in which you make istinja in winter is different for males. But this is not a discussion for me to discuss that. You can speak to your ulama and your ulama can guide you. But this, this is in the books of fiqh. This is how comprehensive this Islam is. This is how pure and how perfect this Islam is. That even how we be intimate with our spouses in our bedrooms. What is permissible, what is not permissible. How we should be conducting ourselves in that situation. How we should not be conduct. Even that Islam had given us guidelines for. So that is how perfect our Islam and our religion is. We go to the next slide on slide number four. And I'm going to say next, 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 because downstairs the ladies are even pushing the buttons to move to the next slide. So we're going to go to slide number four. The laws and injunctions of Islam are filled with divine justice and wisdom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows why he had given certain aspects for this ummah to do and why he asked this ummah to stay away and abstain from certain aspects. If you go to the next slide, if we were to compare modern society, I put the slide in. This is not the statement of any Muslim, nor is it the statement of an Ali. This is a statement of a Westerner, a statement of a European, a statement of a non-Muslim. That if we were to compare modern society to Islamic ethics and values, the latter will always outweigh the former. If you take Islam's ethics and values and you take modern society's ethics and values, the ethics and values will always be will, of Islam will always outweigh that of, of modern society. And we need to appreciate that. We need to just think of the statement in relation to the topic under discussion. So you think of it in relation to the topic under discussion. You know, I did this presentation at Nurul Islam School. Uh, I was oblivious of the fact, and in my naivety, I didn't know it's an all-female school. So I went there like a big macho, one man, but nevertheless, we did the presentation. So after I did the presentation, two of the muallimat came, and they told me, Maulana, there was no need for solutions at the end. So I said, what do you mean? So I said, Maulana, if you really contemplate on every side, I didn't think of it. When I prepared these slides, I didn't even consider this. If you look at every slide, in every slide is the solution to the problem. And we need to take it to heart. So inshallah, just keep this in relation to the topic and the discussion. So next slide, number six. Briefly, let us remind ourselves what is Sharia. If we have to ask the question, and I'm, I'm not going to ask questions here, but if we have to ask the question, what is Sharia? Nine out of ten people will probably answer that Sharia are the laws of Allah, which is correct. 
But I come across this very profound definition of Sharia. And I found it to be so profound in relation to this discussion that we are having this evening. That there are the laws laid down by Allah Taala as a guide for us to know what will harm or benefit society. Now look how deep this definition of Sharia is. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala knows that if I ask this ummah to do something, it is going to benefit them. And if I ask them to stay, it's good. If to not to do something, it is because there is harm in it. A simple example is the example of khatna, what we call sunnat, circumcision. Allah knew that that extra piece of skin on the private part of a male, if it is not removed, ask the doctors what problems that could cause as far as the person's health is concerned, with all the fur that could gather under that skin. So Allah knew there is harm in keeping that skin. And obviously together with that, the other benefits. So Allah said, remove that skin. Because Allah knew there is benefit in removing that skin. This is a simple example, just to make us understand how beautiful the Sharia is. Every law of Sharia has been well thought through by Allah Himself. That is why Allah made it Sharia. So why then do people want to bring other aspects into life, which religion does not regard as humane? And I must say, when I did this research, I came into this research with the mindset that this is a war on Islam. But while doing this research, I changed my thinking that this is not a war on Islam. This is a war on religion. LGBTQ is a war on religion. And as you will see through the presentation, why I say that. And in fact, when I talk of solutions, there are only two solutions in my humble view. But I will talk about it at the end. And these laws are based on Quran and Sunnah. So Islamic guidelines are established to preserve an entire social, cultural and economic structure as well as a self-sustaining family unit. Those things that are highlighted in different colors, those are the important points that I will, I will talk about. So self-sustaining, when will a family unit be self-sustaining? When we will follow Islamic guidelines as far as nikah is concerned, as far as marriage is concerned, and the laws of procreation after marriage, after nikah, then a family unit can be sustained. But if we're going to move away from that, if we're going to move away from the guidelines of Sharia, and we are going to say now you can get married to a person of the same gender, or we're going to move towards bestiality, where people want to have and become intimate with animals, how are we then going to maintain a family unit? How then are we going to become the pride of our Nabi on the day of Qiyamah? When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will boast at the high numbers of his Ummah. So that is why these guidance of Islam are so, so pivotal than the establishment of this guideline is for a self-sustaining family unit. This is a very, very, very pivotal point. It may seem off the topic. But again, just keep the topic in the back of your mind when I discuss this point. IFFD, there's a typo there. 
the International Federation for Family Development, again, a non-Muslim-based organization. And those people, Imran Siddharth, you guys do counseling. This is important for you to note. What are they saying? Listen and read what they are saying. We are for slide number eight. That kids growing up in a healthy married two-parent families are more likely to lead happy and successful lives compared to those who do not experience the same level of family security and stability. Well, let me explain this point. You see, sometimes we as parents, and in the field that I work, I'm going to extend it to teachers as well. We don't realize how innocently we are the very source of the detriment for deviation of our own children. We don't realize that. But really speaking, my respected brothers, this statement came while I was doing research on LGBTQ. And this is under this topic I found the statement. As parents, how we bring our children up, the love and the compassion. Remember, every child growing up is looking for love. And every child growing up has a primary source of love, has a secondary source of love. When that child does not find love in the primary source of love, which is the parents, growing up, the child is going to go to school, the child is going to go to maktab, the child will now start, start to look for love in the secondary sources of love, which is the educators. And when the primary source of love is not there, the secondary source of love is not there, what is happening to the child? When that child chooses the line of deviation, can we blame that innocent child? Dr. Michel, the head pediatrician in the American College of Pediatricians, gives an example of a family whom Allah blessed with a child, and the child was a male, a boy, and that boy was everything to those, to those parents. They were the, that boy was the world to his parents. They did everything within their capacity to keep that boy happy. Years later, four or five years later, they were blessed with another child, this time a girl. But the difference is this girl was Down syndrome. This girl was Down syndrome. So naturally, naturally, parents started giving most of their attention to the sickly child, which probably I would naturally have done. So this boy, four or five years old, is now seeing this unfold in front of him. Then what has happened? Where is the love? Where is the love that I was getting? Where is the love that I was getting all along? Why has that love now gone and everything is going to my sister only? Eventually, when this boy started deviating, he started rebelling as a young child. Parents now started seeking help. Why is he behaving like this? 
and they came to this Dr. Michelle. And in her interviews with this child, this is the statement that this young boy makes. The doctor, I think, I lost the love of my parents only because I am a boy. Maybe I should also become a girl, so I will also get love for my parents. It's something to think about. Something to think about. As parents, as parents, myself included, sometimes we lose it with our kids and we beat them to hell and gone. That is the start of the process. We generally say the same to teachers. I said to a school the other day, the teachers disagree with me. But when I have the opportunity, I would denial and would prove, I will prove it. There is no disruptive child in your classroom. There is no rude child in the classroom. That is a cry for help. Because the primary source of love has neglected the child. The child is looking for love from the secondary source of love. And that is why this point is so important. So important. When you look at into the research, specifically with LGBTQ, many of the people that have resorted to this is because of abuse they suffered in their young life. So where is the cause of deviation? And we need to sort the cause out. We move over to the next slide. So Allah Ta'ala had created the anatomy of man different from that of woman and has assigned to each their roles and functions for the continuation of mankind as a species. So when Allah Ta'ala created man, Allah Ta'ala created his body with different organs. And Allah Ta'ala created the woman and her body with different organs. And the organs that Allah Ta'ala gave to a male, Allah gave it a function which a female cannot fulfill. The female organ cannot fulfill the, the function that the male organ can fulfill and vice versa. So I spoke to a doctor in fertility. And I asked her that, doctor, tell me something. Today it's a very easy thing. When people want to have a sex change, they speak to a doctor. Legally, the doctor has no choice but to guide them to where they can have the operations done. So they go and have an operation done. So a woman becomes a man, a man becomes a woman. Talking, I cannot be based on the doctor. Is it the woman that went for a sex change to become a man for her to make another woman pregnant? The features you can change that is come a woman. It can be done that he starts experiencing, he starts experiencing a menstrual cycle. So logic will tell you to accept it changes when you don't become a man. Outwardly you may become a man and tell everybody that you're now a male. From, from Eve you become Steve. But Allah had given those functions. And those functions of male and female is for the continuation, continuation of mankind as a species. Take those functions away. Take those functions away. Where is the continuation of humankind as a species? We move over to slide number 10. 
men and women have a natural attraction to each other. Allah made it like this. If a man is attracted to anyone or anything else but a woman, he's not a human. Allah made it like that. There's a natural attraction between man and woman. And this is a system that Allah has made for humans to love, love and procreate through the sacred institution of nikah. So obviously, I'm not here to talk Masail, that love also needs to be legitimate. I don't want to give license to the young boy sitting here that Mohana said is natural way to love a woman. So I can go love any, and pick up any girl I want, Mohana said it. No, 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 no. Nikah must happen. Nikah must happen. That love will be there before Nikah also. But that is when we have to control ourselves. That is when we have to bring our temptations under control. And when we are ready for Nikah, then we must immediately get married also. So it's to love, 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 love and procreate. That is how Allah Tabarakotala made it. That is why that attraction. Imagine if a man was not attracted to a woman or a woman was not attracted to a man. Would they ever make love to procreate? Because there's no attraction. We probably have to do it through rape. So that's why Allah created this love between man and woman. So any change to this function will have a detrimental effect on how we function on a, on a daily basis as a society. And a simple example we give. Simple example. If a man becomes a woman and a woman becomes a man, from a fiqh perspective, what happens to the salah? What happens to their janazah? What happens if they go for umrah? Does the laws now change? Or will they making, be making ibadat instead? So this is the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what is sexual orientation? Slide number 11. Human rights campaigns define it as, and this is what is glaring to the world. This is what is glaring to the world. An inherent or immutable, immutable means unchangeable, enduring emotional, romantic or sexual attraction to other people. This is what human rights Campaigns are telling the world that if you are attracted not to the opposite gender, to other people, so if you're attracted, a male, you're attracted to a woman, fine, that can't be changed. And if you're a male, you're attracted to a male, or you're a female, attracted to a female, it can't be changed. <coughs> Human rights is telling you that. It's immutable, unchangeable, it's inherent, it's in you. So if you're a male and you're attracted to a male, that's you, be that. And make the move. And get involved with the man. And now the world is telling you, get married to the man also. And you're a woman, you're attracted to a woman, move forward. Why? Because it's unchangeable. It's an inherent quality in you. You can't change it. This is deception. This is how they are deceiving the world. And unfortunately, the world is biting on this bait. The world is biting on this bait. So what is the ideology of LGBTQ? The ideology of LGBTQ is to choose their own sexual orientation. They do not accept their physical and psychological makeup created by Allah. In simple words, in simple words, I said this is a war on religion. This is a war on religion. In simple words, and this is a fact and a proven fact. The LGBTQ movement runs on the concept 
that we need to remove Allah or remove God from the equation. Allah does not have a right to decide whether you are male or female. Allah does not have a right to decide whether your relationship should be with male or female. That is your choice. And that is the ideology of the LGBTQ movement. And you, do you know how they are succeeding? A few months ago, I was at an institution, and I deliberately say institution. I'm not saying school. I'm not saying maktab. I was at an institution, and the principal of the institute called a 12-year-old girl. 12 years. And the principal tells this girl, tell Molana what you tell your friends every day. Unmoved. This 12-year-old girl tells me, Molana, I think Allah made a mistake with me. Allah made a mistake with me. I'm not supposed to be a girl. I'm supposed to be a boy. It's hitting home hard. This is a 12-year-old girl in a Muslim institute. A Muslim girl. We had to guide the principal to engage the parents. And guide the parents to engage a counselor to speak to this child. It's a serious problem. And what are they doing? They are telling you Allah has no right in your sexual orientation. Na'udhu Take Allah out. They promote sexual behavior contrary to the natural way ordained by Allah, reducing humans to a level below animals. And you want to see it? Go walk on the beaches of Devon and you will be shocked. And even worse, go and walk in the shopping malls of Cape Town. And you'll be even more shocked. We move to slide number 13. So they have some arguments. These are very common arguments of the LGBTQ. In trying to prove themselves and win their point. And in trying to gain acceptance, they use as their mantra the argument that we were born this way. Allah made us like this. So one side, what you're saying, Allah doesn't have a choice. Now you're saying, God made you like this. The same people that are saying, God or Allah does not have a choice in your sexual orientation. Now you are saying, God made you like this. You were born this way. This is how they deflect criticism. They argue that since they are born with SSA, same-sex attraction, it is natural for them to behave that way. So what answer do we give? There is no conclusive scientific evidence to support such a claim. And this is not scientific research again done by Muslims. This is a scientific research that has been done by non-Muslims. That are telling you that there is no scientific evidence to support such a claim. Studies dispel the notion that a single or even a handful of genes can make a person prone to sex attraction. So when you look at the genes in a person, G-E-N-E-S, and when scientists took those genes of different people, 
and they studied those genes, they came to this conclusion that there isn't a single gene directed to another person of the same gender. It's not possible. Maya and Matthew, from a logical perspective, from a psychological perspective, as well as a social sciences perspective, states that this mantra is unsupported. So they looked at it from the biology of a person, from the mental state of a person, as well as from the social aspect of a person, and they came to the conclusion that this is unsupported. In 2019, a study of half a million people showed that there was no linking of genes to any one sexual orientation. Slide number 15. The reality is, and I, I, I just want to concentrate on this red point, the reality is that this behavior is a result of choice, boredom, vice, and shaitanic influence. You know, I put emphasis on the word boredom. Because it's a problem. It's a problem. We as parents are guilty for allowing our children boredom. Allowing our children to be bored. Because we are so busy in our lives and this shaitan, na'udhu this shaitan, the cell phone, the tablet, that iPad, this taken us away from our children and taken our children away from us. Because I'm so much into this, I cannot leave this phone, I cannot leave the tablet or the iPad, I don't have time for my children. So what have I done? I've taken the phone and I've thrown it at my kids also. That child is sitting on the phone, does not know what to do. Does not know what to do. In that boredom, the child is going to start looking at things he's not supposed to be looking at, even with your parental control. Even with your parental control. The reality, my respected brothers, is the reality is we've put a challenge. We've put a challenge to every parent that on an individual basis you need to spend half an hour with your every child and talk to them of what is in the world outside. How do they feel of what is happening? How many of the parents are doing that? We don't have the time to do it. We don't have the time. Why? Or even the television. So, where is this problem then coming? When the child is sitting, what they say? An idle mind is a devil's workshop. And shaitan is working and we're not seeing him work. We move to slide number 16. So we ask the question, you're saying you were born this way. So if I get someone, or if we get someone stealing, a thief, and we take him to be trialed in a court of law, and if he says, I was born this way, show me one constitution of any country in the world that will buy his argument. If a thief comes with this argument, I was born this way, that is why I'm stealing. There's nothing I can do about it. Which country in the world will let him free? Maybe South Africa. Otherwise, he will be tried and he will be put away. A pedophile. A person that is 
obsessed with child pornography. Show me one country in the world that will accept his actions. You listen to the news, how they abhor pedophiles. So we don't give them the leeway to say, I was born this way. But when it comes to LGBTQ, we need to accept it. We are saying LGBTQ must and should be viewed and treated in the same manner as a criminal offense. A person has a sexual relation with his mother, or a person has a sexual relation with his sister, or his daughter, how will we look at such a person? How will the world look at such a person? Yes, recently we know there was a post in America where brother and sister went to court to find the case that they be allowed to marry each other. And many of us may have seen that post. But when we looked into it, that was a fake post. So we can still stand on our point. If a person, if a person commits incest with his own mother, his own sister, his own daughter, or vice versa, with her own son, her own father, her own brother, what do we say with regards to such people? But when it comes to LGBTQ, we want to accept it. Then the world will say we need to accept them. We need to give them space. We need to allow them their rights. So logic, logic is telling us that to say I was born this way is a false mantra. Argument number two on page 17, on the slide number 17. They argue that heterosexual and homosexual are identical. Heterosexual are normal people. Normal people, man and woman. Homosexual are abnormal people. And you see why I say abnormal. They are attracted, they have SSA, same-sex attraction. The only difference is who you love. So this is what they argue. You're a man, I'm a man. You're a woman, I'm a woman. You eat, I eat. You work, I work. You socialize, I socialize. Everything you do, I do. The only difference is you're a man, you love a woman. I'm a man, I love a man. That's the only difference. So what do we answer that? That yes, you do get committed gay couples like Jodie Foster and her partner many years together. There's another couple, 40 years, gay couple, 40 years together. So you do get committed gay, gay couples and heterosexuals do have promiscuity. We get naughty people also in our heterosexual community, our normal people. There's some naughty guys there also, and naughty women also. So they have promiscuity. But when you compare the two, it is undeniable that homosexuals are much more promiscuous. And you know what's the results? We move over. We want slide number 18. The rapid spread of HIV and AIDS, HIV and AIDS is eye-opening in this regard. About a month or two ago, I was invited to give a bayan in a his graduation, Jalsa in Lands. And we spoke about Quran. And at the end, I just spoke a little bit on this LGBTQ aspect for two, three minutes. There was a professor that was in the gathering. I don't know him. But after the program, he came and he appreciated the last two, three minutes that I spoke on LGBTQ. And he told me, Maulana, I'm a professor. And the hospital that I work in, over 70% of the AIDS patients, and I'm going to be very blunt and again respected mothers and sisters, brothers and friends, I ask your forgiveness. Over 70% of AIDS patients 
are those that are entering through the wrong door. HIV and AIDS. Yes, HIV, 1st of December is coming. And the world will make a big noise, World AIDS Day. And it will come with all the different ribbons. And it will tell you, you use a condom. That is probably 20% of the problem of HIV and AIDS. More than 70 to 80% of the problem of HIV and AIDS is LGBTQ. We have seen recently on monkeypox, they told you the same thing. People that are entering to the wrong door are getting monkeypox. And yeah, I've got proof from a professor. So, we're trying to solve the problem when we engage that basic department of education, that's just the argument. To curb, we need to educate our children so we can curb the spread of HIV and AIDS. You're trying to solve a problem in its minority. Where the majority of the problem is you're promoting. How are you solving the problem? So, look at these statistics. We're moving over to slide number 19. Shocking statistics. 1987, a study was done. Three quarters, 75% of 5,000 gay people interviewed confessed to having T or more. I can now say with confidence, with confidence, AIDS is an azab of the Zumbat. It's an azab. 2012 study compared the sexual practices between heterosexual, slide number 20, statistics that you see in front of you. Heterosexual men on average have eight life partners. Islam allows us four at any given moment, right? Islam allows, allows us four wives at any given moment. But on average, heterosexual men eight. Heterosexual women on average have six life partners. And homosexuals on average have 45 life partners. So how, where is the problem? This is to make us understand and see how serious LGBTQ is. It's destroying humanity. It is destroying humanity. According to the United Nations, homosexuals have a 22 times greater chance of HIV compared to heterosexuals. 22 times greater chance. We move over to slide number 21. As so now, we want to take guidance. Allah made us ashraful makhlutat. Allah made us the best of creation. We want to take our guidance from animals. Now we want to do what animals are doing. And we want to use that as proof. That SSA is also found in animals. The truth is, up to very recent, up to very recent, there was no scientific proof to prove this, that animals are gay. But in recent years, we move over to slide number 22. Okay, I'll come back to that. But we move over to slide number 22. If you want to take your cue from animals, then there are some animals that kill their young. Are we going to say as humans we take that guidance of them killing our young? There are some that eat their own feces. There are some animals that eat their own feces. Are you going to start eating your own feces? Only recent studies found SSA in three animals. The African baboon, the falcon, and an ostrich. But even then, even then, is that a justifiable 
argument. So when this argument comes, these are the answers that we give. These are the answers that we give. Go to the toilet. Let me guide you to the bathroom. I learned a new word also myself in my ignorance to the grooming room. Do what you have to do. Eat it and come out and tell me how it tastes. Who will do it? But you use that as an example that animals do it. So we cannot use Again, logic is telling us that all these arguments are baseless. So what is the charity ruling in this regard? I've kept this to one line and one slide. I didn't want to concentrate on the charity ruling so much. Inshallah, the muftis will guide us to that. But obviously it is haram. Obviously it is haram. Now whether it is kufr, whether it takes a person of the fold, out of the fold of Islam, in the literal research that we have done, I'm not prepared to go to that extent. Unless very, very openly people say something and they try to prove themselves something against Quran and Hadith, then obviously then we can, then that's obvious. But naturally, I'm not prepared to go to that, to say that they're out of the fold of Islam. In the Quran, Allah Ta'ala mentions the verse, Allah Ta'ala speaks about the protection of the private parts, and then Allah Ta'ala said two exceptions, except that you use your private parts on your wives or your rightly owned slaves. Your rightly owned slaves, these are two. Two women that men can use their private parts on. Halal, jais, wives and slaves. Today there's no slavery, right? And then in the end of the verse, what does Allah Ta'ala say? Anybody that wants to fulfill their desires outside the ambit of wives or slaves, they have overstepped their limits. So that thus LGBTQ falls in that or having a promiscuous relationship with a person of the opposite gender out of nikah. So that is the Sharia aspect as far as this is concerned. Now this is interesting. We're going over to slide number 24. History of the LGBTQI+. The term heterohomosexual was coined in Germany in the year 1868. LGBTQI term was coined in... There's one thing that I can take from the LGBTQ movement. There's one thing I can take. Is their perseverance. The perseverance. In, we know that it started with Lut salam's people, the nation of Lut salam. And throughout the ages, throughout the eras, it took me very long to find a hadith. It took me very long to find a hadith. Eventually, after about four, four, four or five months, I came across this hadith, As-Sihaqu Nisa'i Zinam Bayna Unna. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned hadith of Mu'jamu Zawai, the word As-Sihaq literally translated as lesbians, lesbianism. So we found the, hadith, the word in the hadith also, right? So, uh, in the nine, in 1960, so it started from Lut al-Islam's people, throughout the ages it carried on, it was there. But in the modern era, when did they start implementing their strategy? They started implementing their strategy in the year 1960. Many of us were not alive. And many of those that started it in 1960 are probably dead. But look at how they, how well they worked their strategy. 
that the shaitanic allies are still carrying it out. They were persevering from 1960. They never came out open, 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 open till the 1990s when they started now becoming bold. When they started now becoming bold. So look at their perseverance. So the term LGBTQ was termed in, in 1990. Now look at this. Up to the 19th century, LGBTQ or same-sex attraction in the United States of America and even in the United Kingdom, in European countries, in Western countries, was regarded as a criminal offense. Where did the change come? Where did we come with this acceptance? It was regarded as a criminal offense. At one stage, they were even treated in psychiatric wars because that is what they were mad. They're in a green war on the fourth floor of the hospital. Because they were mad. They were, they were regarded as mad people. They were not right up in their head. So they used to be treated in psychiatric wards. In the year 1969, I was over not even I put that 69 in red. We're on slide number 24. In the year 1969, the police in London raided a gay club which is known as the Stonewall Gay Club. But here I'm going to burst many bubbles and I'm going to disappoint many people. Right? But I just feel that I have to say it. Who is the number one biggest supporter of the Stonewall Gay Club, which is in existence till this day? You know who is the biggest supporter of Stonewall Gay Club? Where's the youngsters? Manchester United. Manchester United is the biggest supporter of the Stonewall Gay Club. And just to level the playing field with the Liverpool supporters, you know what Jurgen Klopp, the current manager of Liverpool, said two or three months ago? And he gave his and his club's full backing and support for the LGBTQ movement. The interviews on social media, you can go and hear it. So anyway, because by the way, so police raided this war, this, this gay club. Why would the police raid a gay club in London in 1969? Because it was illegal to be gay, to be homosexual, to be lesbian in that year, 1969, was illegal. That is why the police raided the club. And in that altercation, one of the gays were killed. He was sent to Jahannam. So one year later, in the year 1970, the organizers of this, the, the owners of Stonewall Gay Club organized a march to commemorate the death of that man. That same march, that same march to commemorate the death of that one man is being held in this day and age. They only call it the Pride March. They only call it the Pride March. And I want to tell you something about the Pride March. South Africa, a little bit later. So we move over to slide number 25. What is the current status of this scourge? And this is where it gets a bit shocking. I spoke to a brother in the UK. And in my discussions with him, while we were discussing this whole LGBTQ thing over Zoom, he said to me, Malana, I want to tell you something. 
in UK, drugs is bad. In our UK, drugs is bad. And I know it's bad in your South Africa. But I can tell you with confidence, it's UK is worse than South Africa when it comes to drugs. Now, I want to say something. And please forgive me. You know we Gujarati people. I'm one myself. You know we Gujarati people. What we said when drugs started surfacing. What we said. I don't know Gujarati and that's my weakness, right? But in Gujarati we should say very nice. It don't happen in our family. We bring our children up properly. We send our children to Maktab. We give our children good dini education. It won't happen to us. What is the reality? There's Imran, ask him. What is the reality today with drugs? If not every second home, every home is crying with a drug problem. But what you said, it won't happen. So this brother Yusuf is telling me, Moana, we said the same thing here in the UK. But they say, Moana, I want to say this to you. If we are going to be complacent on LGBTQ, on earth I'm telling you, Moana, the LGBTQ problem from experience in the UK, and by the way, he told me, in South Africa, you people are 15 years behind. We started working with the LGBTQ research 15 years ago. He said, if in 15 years experience, I'm telling you, LGBTQ is 10 times worse than the drug problem. Now that is going to take our sleep away. And if it doesn't take away our sleep, we have a problem. We have a problem. And this problem is not going to be solved by one individual. This problem is not going to be solved by the ulama alone. The LGBTQI movement had a strategy which they implemented in 1960. They're bringing the strategy to fruition now. We need a strategy. We need a strategy. And we are going everywhere saying the same things. We need to put our minds and hearts together. Because you know why? We are still on slide 25. It's everywhere. Look up, down, right, left, north, east, west, south. It's there. LGBTQ is glaring. A few weeks ago, Malala Muhammad sent me a clip, a video clip in America of kindergarten teachers who have rainbow flags all around the classroom and explaining to their kindergarten learners that it's no problem to be attracted to a person of the same gender. It is no problem. That is why I'm not here. I'm not here to do a PR exercise for any school. Choose your school. Choose your school. Go to our Tambo International Airport which is in our province of Ekuruleni, right? We were there not very long ago. In one section of the airport, you know, you go to the shopping mall, or even the airport, or you go to any public space, and they have the grooming rooms and the restrooms, you have male and female. Male toilets, female toilets. At our airport in Omar Tambo, 
There are gender neutral toilets. When we met and spoke to members of EXA, Airports Company South Africa, and asked them why, they said, sir, it's South Africa. It's the new South Africa. We need to cater for the LGBTQ community. So one of my colleagues retaliated and said, you mean we need to cater for those that are confused? It's there. It's everywhere. Our children are seeing it. And this is what the status of the church is. This is what it is. We move over to slide number 26. So what is their modus operandi? What is their modus operandi? They start off by using literature. They start off by using literature. And I want you to seriously look at their modus operandi. It is stolen. And stolen from Islam. Stolen from Islam. Ikra. Read. That was the first command to read. We need to become a reading ummah. We understand that. They stole the concept. Read. And they started with literature. Significant growth targeting youth over the last decade. There is a popular comic book which comes in 75 issues. I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to take the name of the book. Available on Amazon and wherever. Known as the Lumberjanes. Our children are reading the comic book. You know, all this, there's all this 40, 50 year olds that are sitting here. When we were small, what we used to read, Canis the Menace, who by the way taught us how to be naughty and rude, right? And we used to read the Archie comics. Right? We know about it. So we see our children reading a comic, it's just a comic. Khudaki Qasam, it's not a comic. You know why? This comic book, who is the protagonist? We still have slide number 26. Who is the protagonist? A trans woman with two gay fathers. This is being hit home in literature. Now look at this moving further. We move over to slide number 27. In 2010, when we were all busy with World Cup, there were plus minus 10 books published by mainstream media for young adults with LGBTQI characters. Just 10. A mere six years later, that number climbed to 80. Books was the starting point to liberate the movement. <laughs> So there's an American gay couple. There's an, an American gay couple. They wrote a book. And what a beautiful name they kept also. On the ball. What a unique name they kept for the book. Gay couple. They wrote the book On the Ball. How America will conquer its fear and hatred for gays in the 1990s. That's the title of the book. This is when they started becoming bold. And what was their strategy? Non-violent. Non-violent. Discuss it so much that it becomes the norm. Where they stole this from? They stole this from the Tablir Jamaat. The Tablir Jamaat told us, 
speak about Allah, speak about Allah. So much Allah enters the heart. Whatever you look at, talk only about Allah. You know, they're telling you talk so much. They're telling their people, talk so much of our movement that it becomes the norm. Normalize. It must become accepted. Don't allow for it to be taboo. Come out. Don't hide. Come out. Don't hide. Allah knows how true it is. I don't know. We saw what Iker Casillas did now this week. What he tweeted. The ex-Spanish goalkeeper said, please don't lose respect for me, I'm gay. His friend from Barcelona, Piol, retweeted back. And he said, way to go, Casillas. This is the, we need to make ourselves apparent. And then they take out another tweet. He removes the tweet and they say what his account was hacked. Who you want to fool? Who you want to fool? But nevertheless, let's forget about that. Come out, don't hide. I travel on the road a lot. So as a result of which, I keep myself company by listening to the radio. And we listen to the news and we listen to some different radio stations. There are some good discussions happen. Radio station. These are his words. My daughter forgot her assignment. can reach it to her. At work, I could not. Hence, I phoned my partner and asked him if he could get the assignment to our daughter. Another person. I realized my attraction to a person of the same gender when I got to university. And now I am not shy to speak about it, that I am gay and the world must know about it. On A. On A. To get the next one. Recruit. You know how they recruiting? Through the next few slides, that is the, 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 the modus of recruiting. You'll see the next few slides. Remind people of prominent gays. They'll tell you of Jodie Foster. They'll tell you of Angelina Jolie. They will tell you of that Australian soccer player that plays for the national team. They will tell you of the host of basketball players that are gay. And you know, when I was young, people of Bakerton knows I was, I was a fanatic sportsman, right? I loved my sports. So I used to, it's not nice, I'm exposing my son, it's not a good thing to do, but I used to watch a lot of sports also. So there was a female tennis player, a female tennis player who was number one in the female tennis rankings, Martina Navratilova. Number one in female tennis rankings. In a relationship, she was the husband. So they will remind you of prominent, you know, this talk show. Alhamdulillah, I don't have TV and I don't watch TV, but we hear a lot. You know this talk show that we, we watch on TV these days? What's that woman's name? Ellen who? What Ellen who? Ellen DeGeneres, whatever, I can't even say her name. Openly in her talk show, every one of the talk shows she exposes herself as being a lesbian. And how many partners she's been through already. So, they remind you of prominent people. Then they use media, recruit. Of the 118 films of major studios in 2019, 
18.6% slide number 29 had characters who identified as LGBTQI. 18.6%. This is a shocking stat. Plus minus 250 LGBTQI characters in children's cartoons. You heard of SpongeBob SquarePants. You heard of it? Never mind heard of it, we've seen it. If you walk into the stationery shops, all the stationery, most of it, you see got SpongeBob SquarePants. Our children are bringing it to school. They're bringing it to Maktab. But the character in SpongeBob SquarePants is gay. Superman's son is what? Sesame Street. And recently we saw that video clip, Jurassic Park, the cartoon. About dinosaurs. Jurassic Park is a cartoon about dinosaurs, right? That scene of those two young girls, where the one girl comes to another girl and the other one is telling you, you know what, the truth of the matter is, I've fallen for you, I've fallen hard for you. And cutting a long story short, and the other one is saying, why are you speaking now? I feel the same about you. And eventually, two girls are stuck. Cartoon, cartoon, it's only a cartoon. So when the child is restless, and the child is traveling, and the child is being naughty, take him and put him in front of the TV and let him watch a cartoon, even if it is a blue one that smurfs. <laughs> let him watch a cartoon. But we are not seeing the harm that it is creating. I said I'm going to burst bubbles. I said I'm going to hit nerves. And I ask for forgiveness. I'm not supposed to ask for forgiveness, but nevertheless I work. So we throw them in front of the TV. This is what they are watching. Cartoon Network. 250 LGBTQI characters. Now we heard this week Scooby-Doo. A character in Scooby-Doo is gay. Where is the world going to? This is all an agenda. A strategy that is being used to take Allah out of the equation. Then schools. We said that we engage the Department of Education. The truth of the matter is the Department of Education in South Africa have their hands tied. They can do nothing about it. Because the United States Agency for International Development in the South African curriculum pumped 25 million US dollars. They have to do it. Choose your school. Choose your school. Allah forbid, Allah forbid, Allah forbid. Our children learn the wrong thing from the wrong teachers. And we did a small survey. We could be wrong. The fact of the matter is when we discussed it at the office, and we said, okay, what are we going to do? And we're sitting with the scripted lesson plans, and we're saying, let's write, let's take the scripted lesson plans as a guide, and let's write out something, and let's send it out to our Muslim schools. At least our Muslim schools will have something. So we said, well and good, we can do that. But when we really looked at it, 20% of Muslim children are attending Muslim schools. 80% are in the lion's den. As parents, we have a right to know what our children are learning. The DG of the Department of Education bluntly and rudely told us, rudely and bluntly told us, 
you don't have a choice. If your child is going to a public school, they don't have a choice. Yes, in the private schools, private schools still have the choice. That's what I've been made to believe. In a public school, you don't have a choice. Your child either learns it or they just find another school. So they're using education. In the United States of America, they have their curriculum. You know, we grew up reading the gingerbread man. You know that, 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 that cartoon we used to read about the book, Gingerbread Man. So they changed the gingerbread man to gender bread man. So the mind of the child, the mind of the child is already, you know, when we go around and we do teacher workshops, we tell teachers, take the child from the known to the unknown. Again, he's stealing it from us. The child already knows of the gingerbread man. I've got the pictures there in my boot, in my car boot. But look at the gingerbread man. What are they telling the child? They're spoiling the child. They are polluting the minds of children. And this is at grade six level in the United States. Mind games. In, the, in Kuwait, Muslim country, which is one country that is anti-LGBTQ. Okay? The United States of American Embassy in Kuwait tweeted in Pride Month 2022, that is June this year, all humans deserve respect and dignity, no matter who they are or who they love. In a Muslim country, this is the guts that they have. AIPAC, which is an American-Israeli organization, look at the mind games they play. We're on slide number 31. Look at the mind games they play. Do you support LGBTQI? Hamas doesn't. So they made the world believe through their media networks that Hamas is an evil organization. They're fighting against the Jews. They are harming the Jews. They are causing harm. They are fighting for Masjid al-Aqsa, which doesn't belong to them. So if you don't support LGBTQI, you're supporting Hamas. So what is the Western world going to think? Burger King, alhamdulillah, it never happened in South Africa, but in the United States of America, they took out an advert. The next burger you eat, think about this. Abdullah, don't read the exteriors. They, they had an advert, two burgers, and captioned, time to be proud. Proud. Not proud as in arrogance. Proud as in pride, as in pride month, as in gay. But the unique thing is the burger. You know when you look at a burger bun, if you don't know, go there to steal that Abdullah show you one. The top part of the bun has the sesame seeds. The bottom part of the bun is plain. So they made a burger with two tops of the bun and a burger with two bottoms of the bun. No problem if a male is on top of a male or a female is on top of a female. Public pressure made them pull it down. Public pressure made them pull down the, the, the ad. But what was the comment they made? What was the comment they made? The comment that they made, I got this point from a person by the name of Karl Sharif. He's from America. What comment they made? That public pressure forced us to pull down our air. But after consulting with our legal team, we were finding ways to support the LGBTQ movement. And these are the games that they are playing with the movement. So what is their plan? 
simple. The plan is to remove a lump. I'm looking at the clock and I'm going to, I'm going to leave a few flights outright. I'm going through slide number, number 32. I'm going through it. You can just see it. I'll leave it on the screen for a while. Anybody needs explanation of this, you can come see me later. We go to slide number 33. What can we do? So someone asked me after Madrid today if we know people, if we know people that are like this. Let me also say this. Homophrodites, or what we call morphies. That's it. We're not talking of them here. For them, that's fake also. Our Islam is fake for them also. What we call in, in Sharia, we call khunsa or khunsa mushkil. For them, that's fake. This is not morphies. This is psychic. They made people. They, they are the shaitani influence. So I was asked after Maghrib and I told the person, come to the presentation, I had to do some PR for my own presentation. And you will find your answer. So here's the answer. Wherever the person is sitting here, here's your answer. If we have people in our community or in our families that we know, when I did the presentation in one school, one Mu'allima came and said, Mawlana, how do I conduct myself? I have a cousin. She is married to another woman. I'm talking here South Africa. I'm talking here Kauteng. I'm talking here Israel. She is married to another woman. And when we have family functions, they come together and they are open about it. Are we going to sleep on this? So how do we? So, so, so naturally, naturally, me being a hajat, what I'll do? We'll put that person in Jahannam. We beat them to hell and gone. That's what we will do naturally. Why? How can you do something so stupid? But no, this is not our Islam. So you get three types of people. We are on slide number 33. Those who make an effort to abstain. So they feel that they are attracted. Shaitan has overtaken them. Nerves, their desires have overtaken them. So they feel attracted to a person of the same gender. But they make every effort to abstain. They make every effort. They, 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 they put their foot on their nerves. Such people, they deserve our empathy. In fact, they may be closer to Allah than we are. Then the second group, those who cannot control. So they have that within them. They feel, wait, let us go. Let us go for it. And they go and they, and they find their partners. Male find male partner, female find male female partner. We disapprove of what they are doing. But we don't put them in Jahannam. We don't put them in Jahannam. We counsel them. I remember some years back when our Amir Mohan Abbas Ali was here. And there was a program, there was one senior alim from the Indo Park that was here in Banoni. And uh, Mohana was asked to come, so Mohana took me with Sam Khakom to drive at night. So when we were sitting there in one of the senior muftis of this country, at that time, South Africa legalized same-sex marriages. So one of the muftis that were here from Durban, they asked this uh, great alim, Mawana Sajjad Nu'mani, his name, and inshallah soon he'll be coming to our country also. Mawana Sajjad Nu'mani, they asked him, Mawana, we have the situation in our country now. Our uh, government has legalized same-sex marriages. If we find this problem in our Muslim community, what must we do? I very vividly remember his answer. I very vividly remember his answer and he said, Unku kabi jahannam mein mat 
don't throw them in jahannam but acha aur unko kabhi ye mat kehna ki wo jo kar rahe hain haram aur gunah hai don't tell them what they doing is haram but instead talk to them win them over win them over tell them about jannat tell them why allah created them as a male tell them why allah created them as a female engage talk to them counsel them take them to ulama take them to muslim psychologists that think straight unfortunately i have to say it that way let them be spoken to make an effort to win them over to bring them back and you will get people like that i two weeks ago i did a program in one town i don't want to take the name of the town because of the incident and there were i was told i was told when i came to mentor me one of the particular individual sitting here is gay so i don't know what i wanted to say when i phoned me said that person so said that person came to me and told me that what must he do he he understands and he appreciates everything that was spoken he wants to change but he can't find the space to change he is like that so we then told amana you need to bring this person under your wing start speaking to him making him understand he may still carry on but carry on speaking we said the same thing for drugies also for for people that are involved in drugs unfortunately we failed our drug addicts and you hearing it from me we failed our drug addicts we threw them away we never counseled them we never helped them so just approve of them but counsel them then you get a third who justify and claim that islam allows it so they're not gay they're not lesbian we are slide number 33 sir they're not gay they're not lesbian they're not transsexual they're not bisexual but they say we know what they have a right in society we, and they use quran and hadith to prove it such people again we engage them we don't throw them away we engage them after engaging them they adamant they want to give a third point then we exclude them we exclude them and we make them know that we don't want to see you encouraging people in our in our town or in our locality or in our place because just your way of thinking is not the way that islam thinks and we need to and from time to time engage such people so i hope that gives the answer to that no abuse or mob justice this is not islam this is not islam we go over to slide number 34 we talk of solutions and i'm going to go through it very quickly hate the sun not the sun lower your gaze i said there are in my view two solutions this is the first one connect with allah and by the qasam of allah by the qasam of allah this is the this is a solution that we should all keep uppermost in our minds because they are saying remove allah they are saying remove allah we are saying connect with allah all talk about allah be steadfast on salah Recite Quran, relevant du'as. I, I I just want to say something here. You know, relevant du'as from the time we get up in the morning till the time we go to sleep, our Nabi taught us du'as. We need to read those du'as. You know, we go around taking imtihan, and I call myself a dog because we go around taking imtihan, and when we talk to the children, we ask them few questions. You know. Uh, and and the sad reality is, and, and let me tell you also, let me tell you also, we test them. They can rattle the doors for you. The learners will rattle the doors for you. They know the doors in and out. But if you ask them, and children are very innocent, mind you, and you ask them if they're doing it, they're reading these doors. They're very innocent. They'll tell you, no, man, no, we don't read it. 
we need to as parents get our job. Our asatiza, our ulama, our muallimin, muallimat and apas are doing the job. They're teaching them. They're getting them to read the du'as, to learn the du'as. As parents, we need to implement it. We sit down, have turns. Okay, child number one, today is your turn, du'a before eating. Tomorrow, child number two, today you will read du'a after eating. When they want to go to the toilet, we tell teachers, if a child comes for permission to go to the restroom, ask them, you're going to the restroom, what du'a are you going to read before you enter? When you come out, what du'a are you going to read? Or when they come out, ask them, you came out on the, did you read the du'a? What was the du'a? We remind them this, this is a way of connecting to Allah. Every step of our day is connecting to Allah by reciting these relevant du'as. Connection with ulama. And this is solution number two in my view. Effective communication. Effective communication. On this point, uh, five minutes and we conclude. You know, I, <laughs> I'm going to say this tongue in cheek. Right? I'm going to say this tongue in cheek. I did this presentation at a school. Now, if you notice in this presentation, I have the Jamiat logos. So one teacher came to me and told me, Moana, I'm surprised, I'm shocked. So I said, what are you shocked about? What's the problem? So she said, Moana, I see you doing this on behalf of the Jamiat. I said, yeah, I work for the Jamiat. And this is Jamiat's property. So she said, but we've been told, we've been told, <laughs> the Jamiat is pleasing the government and they're promoting LGBTQ. And Jamiat is removing all the harms of LGBTQ from the syllabus to please the government. So I smiled at her. And that's when the slide came in. That's when I added the slide. So we as the Jamiat are saying, we want all our Muslims to become LGBTQ. It's here on record. We want all our Muslims to become LGBTQ. But this is the LGBTQ we want you to become. Effective communication. Let our slide number 35. Let's get better time, quality, interaction, Attentively and affectionately and be positive about it. We need to have communication. We need to have communication. Parents need to have communication with the children. The adults in the community need to have communication with the youngsters. We are failing in this regard. We don't talk to the youngsters. We don't make the youngsters feel like they're part of our communities and society. We need to engage them. We need to talk to them. We need to bring them closer. We need to have this communication. And the other LGBTQI is let's get back to Quran, inshallah. There's our solution. And I promise you, in my humble view, these are the only two solutions. How are we going to get these two solutions? Islamic education, values, and morals. Islamic education, values, and morals. We were packing examination scrubs now this week. We pack examination scrubs grade 3. In grade 3, we pack approximately 3,000 examination scrubs. 
for one grade, 3,000 examination scripts. When we come down to grade 10, we pack 490 examination scripts. 3,000 in grade 3, in class 10, 490. And in the 490 Muslim schools. <coughs> What's happening? 80% of children that are going to non-Muslim schools, that are going to government schools, or other private schools, their children are going to matter to class 6 and 7. What's going to happen to Islamic education values and morals? Many years ago, many years ago, here in our Jamia Masjid, I never know what Jummah Bayar to give, so I spoke on Husal. One old uncle came to me, his marhum, Allah make his mafirat for his suffer was known. He said, Malana, I feel ashamed. And he gave me all detail. For 40 years of my life, I've been taking Husal incorrectly. We need to get our children to go as far as possible. And I say and I take it a step further. We need to establish adult classes. Our adult classes are happening. How many of us are participating? We need to establish these classes. Adults also need basic fit reminders. Basic reminders. We need to connect to Allah. We need to connect to Allah. So Islamic education. Environment watch. I'm just going to go over that. Go to slide number 27. Slide number 37. And we ask these hypothetical naughty questions. A tablet or an iPad, can it be used as a tea tray? If you come to my house and I serve you tea on an iPad, you probably put me in the green ward, the Ajoba hospital. Where hospital do you take me? Oh, it's a bunch different thing. Huh? You'll probably say this guy must go there using iPad as a tray. Or, I'm 46 years old and I'm proud to say that. 46 years old, if I say I feel like I'm 16 years old, will I ever become 60? I can't become 60. I'm 46. A black person says I'm white or a white person says I'm black. Now we had in the news that woman, she's a white woman, but she says she wants to get, she wants to be a Zulu and she wants to get married to the newly appointed Zulu king. So she can become a Zulu if she wants, but she cannot become black. No matter what you do. No matter what you do, you can't become black. Or a white person can't become, a black person can't become white. Right? Logic is telling you. Logic is telling you. A male can become a female, and a female can become a male. It's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. In conclusion, I sat in a presentation. A labor lawyer did this presentation for us. Mohamed Ibrahim Pandwa Damar Barakatum from Ellsberg was in that presentation. We were five people there. And I said I'm going to say certain things. I can't be explicit about it. I want to be very discreet about it. But I'll say it. That presentation was shocking. As I said here, I can give you no less than 20 prominent Muslim names who are gay or lesbian. And those very people, those very people are promoting the LGBTQ movement in the guise of Palestine. They come across as Palestinian activists. Allah's qasam 
I take a note and oath in Allah's name. We have all the dalaid and all the proof that they are using the name of Palestine and they are promoting the LGBTQ movement in this country. And they have started with the MSA. The MSA is a breeding ground for this. It's a very serious matter. Go and look at social media. Go and open up your Twitter and your Facebook. Go and look at Pride March 2022 in Cape Town. Who's holding the flag right in front? And see what flag they're holding. Palestinian flag on one side. Rainbow on the other side. What's the caption on the flag? We stand for Palestinian creatures. Muslim, prominent individual, prominent, prominent, prominent individual. His grandfather was even more prominent. Alayhi Rahma. What's his tweet? When one of his colleagues, Muslim girl, tweeted that she is married, that she is married to another Muslim, non-Muslim girl. Sorry, to another girl, non-Muslim girl. What's his tweet? Way below. They plan and we plan. But chaos is the best of plans. Allah is chaos. Distorting Quran. Muslim. That person has now become murtad. We beseech and we beg. We hold the cause of Palestine very close to our hearts. But let us be careful where we give our money also. Let us be careful where we give our money. Our zakat is being used to promote LGBTQ in this country. And let us be careful of that. Rather put it at prominent organizations who we know will spend that money correctly. But this is the reality. This is the reality. Muslim brother and sister in marriage birth. Muslim brother and sister. Look how daft and stupid. The brother becomes a girl, the sister becomes a boy. Muslim, Muslim, Muslim. And they're holding a prominent position in one of the Palestinian activist groups. My respected brothers, brothers, sisters, this problem is huge. It is huge. We cannot sleep on this. We need to strategize. As a Muslim Ummah, we need to unite. We need to put our heads and our hearts together if we are going to fight the scourge. Allah's Qasam. Allah's Qasam. I gave this presentation Last week in Swaziland at the South African Ulama Forum, Southern African Ulama Forum, and spoke to the Ulama and said that if we are going to continue pointing fingers at each other and not worrying on the problems that we have at hand, we have failed an entire generation. One community in the West said, I did the presentation, the counselor, Muslim counselor in the community, one of in this community which is holier than you know about.
we need we need to look after our children what are in your presentations you need to bring these two things out if we know of anybody that is involved in this on their behalf in allah's name give sadaqa and after giving sadaqa two rakats namaz and make dua for them we make dua that allah taala protect us and we humbly request dua for sincerity and acceptance i'm just going to go through these slides we're going to slide number 39 i'm just going to put them this is basically the take home message i'm just going to put it on the screen you can read through it So we did slide number 39 and slide number 40 that's the take home message as an umma we have something to cry blood about we have something to cry blood about allah forbid allah forbid allah forbid we remain complacent and in our disunity allah this problem sweeps us from under our feet and then what are we going to do then we're going to cry and there's no need to harm we are going to cry like how we crying with the drug problem we're going to cry then we need to get this thing and in every community there needs to be a strategizing group who needs to consult with their ulama that how are we going to keep this thing away from our masajid from our schools from our communities what are we going to do like i said one person two people one two presentations one two bayans is not going to help this presentation is here it's going to be forgotten we need to put strategy in place that is the only way that we will be able to 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 find and 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 fight this scourge and fight this problem may allah taala give us give us a tawfiq of understanding and i ask your forgiveness if i become if i come across in a very rude way unfortunately certain things had to be said the way that they are said but allah taala give me the tawfiq of understanding the reality of bringing my children and give each and every one of us a tawfiq of bringing our children up in a way that saves them growing up from being part of these kind of issues wa akhiru lawana alhamdulillah